Now, we have been going through the book of Romans. We started back in February, and we're going verse by verse. I could preach an entire month on a paragraph in Romans, but our objective is to cover uh, the entire book in four semesters, spring, fall, spring, fall. And so we just completed uh, our first installment called The Beautiful Collision, and we're going to, it went through chapter four, we're going to kick back off in the fall with uh, chapter 5. All of, our, all of our sermons are from that first installment are online, so if you missed any of them, uh, man, I challenge you to go online, watch, so that you'll be ready to roll when August comes and we come out of the gate in chapter 5. Also, some of you that watch them, you might want to go back and watch them uh, uh, again or watch some of them because, man, Romans is just a thick, heavy, incredible book. And so, uh, so we're doing that next week. We're starting the book of Exodus. We're going to spend the summer uh, here going through the first five chapters of the book of Exodus, which is basically about Moses, his birth, about obviously the oppression of the Israelites, then God raising up a, a deliverer, a redeemer, and it's going to be amazing how uh, Mo Exodus and Romans just complement each other and the things that's going on. And so we're going to go through the first five chapters over the summer. And so if you want to go ahead and get started reading Exodus, especially the first five chapters, that would be great. Today, we're going to do a one-off for what we call a tweener internally. We call it a tweener because it's a sermon between series. Okay, and it gives you an opportunity to sort of catch your breath before we jump back into another verse-by-verse -verse, uh, exegesis of a book, and it gives us an opportunity to change the oil, tune the engine, and sort of align the tires. And what I mean by that is this. You've got cars at your house, and you know that over time, every car gets knocked out of alignment. Uh, when you drive as fast and furious as I do, they tend to get knocked out of alignment a little quicker than normal, right? But uh, they get knocked out of alignment. When a car is out of alignment, what happens, I'm not a mechanic, so, uh, but I know, uh, you know the basic theory of it. What happens when a car gets knocked out of alignment, you know, that's when your car starts pulling to the right or the left. And what happens is these parts in, 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 your, in your car that were created to work together all of a sudden begin working against each other. And it creates tension and it creates friction and that car pulls off course. You know what? That's exactly what happens in churches. It, it, it doesn't matter. A healthy church, not a healthy church. Every church, like every car, uh, encounters bumps and, and, and you're going, especially when you're pedaled to the metal like we are. Man, you, you, you have these times where vision leaks, vision drifts, and you sort of start pulling off and that's just the gravitational pull, right, of every organization, to be quite honest. So we use these tweener times to come back and just recast vision. We do it little by little each week, but we, we when they use these times to just say, this is who we are. Don't forget what we're about. And that's what we want to do today. We want to help all of those who call this place home understand what we expect out of everybody who calls this place home. So if you're new, you're going to get a good dose today of who we are and what we're about. If you have been around here for a long time, you're going to get a reminder today and, and, and some alignment because God's doing great things. And like every car, we just want to continue doing preventative um, aligning and maintaining so that we keep hitting it out of the park, okay, and doing what God's called us to do. And so today uh, we're going to talk about who we are, what we're about, and our bottom line is not more members, more missionaries. That's our takeaway. That's what we want you to talk about this week. Not more members, more missionaries. That's what we're about. Uh, if you've been around here for a while, you know we're missional, even if you don't. Last night I ran into a lady who don't even go to our church. She knows me, knows our church. And she said, man, I, are you going to start preaching on mission all of a sudden? And, and I, I started laughing and I walked away and I told Amy, yes, isn't that awesome that people that don't go to our church that live in middle Tennessee, live around, they know our church. They know what we're about. We're about mission. We're about, it's about mission, so we're about missionary. So we don't want more members or we don't need more members. We need more missionaries, Right? 
And so, uh, and what we want to do, hopefully, is help you flip a switch from the traditional American view of membership to a biblical view of membership. <clears throat> Let me explain the traditional American view. You know, in, in, in America, when we're members of an organization, uh, that we're members to get privileges. It's about privilege, not, not, not as much about responsibility, right? Let's take the Y, for example. Many of you are members of the Y. Are you a member of Sam's Club? When you're a member of those organizations, you're not a member of the Y to serve the Y and make the Y better. You, you pay your due. You're a member of the Y so that they can serve you and make your life better, right? Well, that is what we sometimes bring into the church. We bring into the church this view of membership that says, man, I, I, I'm here for you to serve me and make my life better. Now, is that going to happen if you're a member? Man, I hope so. I, we're going to serve you because we're gonna, you're going to serve us. We're going to serve each other. Uh, is your life going to be better? I hope your life is enriched. I hope your life leads to much more satisfaction and on-mission living and, 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 and it's so enriched in so many ways. So are those things going to happen? Yes, I hope they happen. But the bottom line is membership's not just about privileges. Membership is not just uh, about you know us serving you and making your life better. It's about you serving the organization and helping the organization uh, do what God has called us to do. And so that's what I, I want to really uh, talk about today because what we want to do is, man, we're, we're really tired of religion and the games religious people play, all right? We don't want to play church. I've got much more important things to do. To be quite honest, man, if, if it was just about playing church, you know, coming down here to check it off the box, coming down here so you could be seen, coming down here to, you know, make your life better and make you feel better about yourself and all that kind of stuff. If that's why we're here, man, I'd say, dude, let's all go to the lake and party and have a good time. We can do something else, right? But that's not why we're here. We're here because we want to challenge you to connect your one fragile moment in life. And I mean it's fragile. It's one moment, right? I mean, the Bible says that your life is a breath. It's a mere breath. Inhale, exhale, gone. James says it's a mist that appears, vanishes. So your life, man, is, it, you're, it's a fragile moment in time. We want to help you connect that one fragile moment in time to God's global uh, mission of making disciples, of changing the world, and making his name known among all the nations of the world. And so I want to read to you two verses today. Now, all of the Bible is important. All of the Bible is awesome. Uh, these two verses probably are my life verses. If I would say, what's my life verse? Psalm 4610 would be where I would go. But all, I mean, it's all, it's, that's so hard to say because they're all so meaningful. But this verse and then the next one uh, that I'm going to read today are just incredible verses. And I, I would love for you to memorize these verses so that you can begin to e e repeat them often, at least weekly, daily in your mind to help you stay aligned in your mind with what we're doing, all right, and what we're about. So here's the first, Psalm 4610. Psalm 4610, here's what the psalmist says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God, and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. That's Psalm 4610. Now, we love the first part, this part here, be still and know that I'm God. Man, that's part A. It's awesome because in the Bible, knowing God is equated with salvation. So basically, the psalmist is talking about salvation here, redemption, and we love that, right? I mean, we, we love that. But the second part of this verse is so, so important because the first part tells us what? The second part tells us why. It tells us why. We're redeemed. Why are we redeemed? Why are we saved? Why do we know God? To make Him known. Knowing God has a global implication. Uh, it's not just about you. It's not like God said, oh man, you are all that and you got so much to offer. I just, I want to save you because you can do so much for me. No, it's about God. 
It's not about us. Know God. He says, be still and know that I'm God. And then what? I will be exalted. So the global implication of knowing God is making him known. It's not just for my good. It's for his glory. It's so that he'll be exalted, so that I will live to make his name famous among all peoples. That's why it's about, it's about mission. That's why it's about missionary. That's why we don't need more members at LifePoint. We need more missionaries for the kingdom. All right? And so uh, as we do this, now don't get me wrong, I'm not dumbing down church membership. I'm not dumbing that down and saying, oh, it's not important. Matter of fact, I, I'm, I'm not at all. I'm elevating missionary, not dumbing down membership. Uh, as, as, matter of fact, it's real sexy today in today's world to claim to love Jesus, but I don't care too much about the church. You know, I, I love Jesus, but I don't, I, don't, I don't really care too much about the church. And, 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 and let, me, let me make sure that you stop and, and understand. I, I want to say this in as much love as I can, but I want you to understand that if you claim to love Jesus but you don't love the church and not connected to the church, then in all honesty, your faith is so, so shallow and self-consuming. Because the bottom line is, right, you cannot love Jesus and not love his bride. The church is his bride. And so when we badmouth the church, we're badmouthing the bride of Christ. And don't be badmouthing my bride, right? You badmouth me, that's one thing. You badmouth my bride, I'm coming after you, right? And so when we badmouth the church, we're badmouthing Jesus' bride. Now, well, I want you to know out of the gate, no church is perfect. We're not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. You know I say stupid stuff, right? I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to let you down. You're going to let me down. That's what people do, right? That's what families do. That's what husbands and wives do. And we don't bolt and say, I don't believe in marriage. I don't believe in the church. Listen, the church is not, no church is perfect because it's made up of imperfect people. But the church is the bride of Christ. And if you're running hard after the heart of God, you're going to love the things God loves. And God loves the church. Okay? And so bottom line is we're not dumbing it down or membership down. Uh, it needs to be elevated. We, some of you need to join today. God's led you here. God brought you to this place. Something within your soul resonates with who we are, what we're about, the vision. Something in your soul resonates with the fact that, you know, this is a place of authenticity. I mean, man, it's easy for people to say that. That's a buzzword. People say that. But I think you experience it here, right? I mean, it's, it's a place of, uh, of, of realness, a place where we say, dude, we're not perfect, right? It, it, it's a place that we are not about playing religious games. We're about running after the heart of God and challenging you to do that. And something resonates with you in that, and you need to join. I think we've got a, a membership class coming up on June, or, or luncheon coming up on June the 14th. And we want you to go through a luncheon if you want to join, because we want you to know who we are. We want you to know what to expect from us, what we expect from you ask questions, and I think that's June the 14th. You can check, come back and ask us, but some of you need to join. But when you do, please know, membership's not just about you receiving privileges. It's not about, well, I'm going to join, and now, man, they're going to serve me and take care of my needs, and, man, I get to enjoy the great children's ministry for my kids, and, man, I get a good youth ministry, and, man, the music, oh, it's awesome, and I, I, I want to join. No, it's not just about you consuming those religious goods. It's about you contributing it's about you getting on mission and saying, I'm not just a member, I'm a missionary. I'm planting here to do my part, right? And that's biblically what me membership is all about. It's about mission, so it's about being a missionary. Now let me read you the second verse, okay? The second verse that I, I want to read is from the book of Acts, and we just finished the book of Acts, but I want to read, go back all the way to chapter 1, read uh, verse 8. 
another life verse because it's a, a commission from Jesus as is Matthew 28, 19 and 20. But here's how Luke records. Remember, Acts is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote this, and so here's what he said. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, these are some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples as recorded by Luke. Now, last words are lasting words, right? I mean, think about it. If, if the words you're speaking you, to your family, to your children, to your mom, dad, whomever, your friends, tight friends, the words you're speaking are your last words and you know it. Man, these are some of the last words I want to speak. You're going to make them count. I mean, you're not going to, you know, fiddle around with those words. You're not going to waste words. I want you to know this. That's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is about to jet back to heaven. He's about to be with the Father where he is, by the side of the Father at the right hand, where he is at this moment. He has lived. He spent three years with these guys. He was murdered on the cross, came back from the dead. He spent 40 days pouring into them. He's about to jet back to heaven. And before he leaves, these are some of the last words. And he says, listen, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, that's a caveat that we need to get. The Holy Spirit, uh, at that point, why did he say when the Holy Spirit? These were his followers. We said that because if you'll remember, since Adam fell, Adam and Eve, sin in the world, Habakkuk, says that God cannot be in the presence of sin. God's pure, holy, righteous, and so he cannot even look upon sin. And so therefore, even Moses loved God, ran hard after God. Uh, his, his sin had not yet been atoned for, right, And until Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit came upon Moses. The Holy Spirit came upon Jeremiah. The Holy Spirit came upon people. But he, he didn't really take up residence in their life because their sin had not been atoned for until Jesus' atoning sacrifice on the cross. So now Jesus' is, is atoning work has been done on the cross. He has come back from the grave and spending 40 days. He is physically with them now. He's about to jet back, and now the Holy Spirit's going to come. Today, the moment you are redeemed. The moment you cross the line of faith, the moment you surrender to Jesus, the Holy Spirit invades your soul. All right? So I, I, when I was redeemed, the Holy Spirit invaded my soul. Right? And so, so Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, uh, he said, why? You will receive power. Now, why do we receive that power? That's important because it's so, many people are so confused in our world about why we receive this power. I mean, we see so many abuses and misuses and mis, I mean, just warped theology and bad thinking about why we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you one example. A few years ago, Amy and I uh, was at nighttime. We were laying in bed, and I was just flipping through some channels. And, man, we came across a, a well-known faith healer. And uh, I really don't want to mention any names, but it rhymes with Benny Hinn. And so, uh, uh, man, we, 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 started, we started watching this because I'm telling you, man, it's, it's entertainment, okay? I mean, it's, if you watch it for entertainment, man, it can be entertaining. If you watch it for any kind of faith or spiritual, you, no, don't do that. You're going to be confused. I mean, but it's entertaining. So Benny Hinn, man, he, all of a sudden he's coming up, man, and some guy comes up and, I mean, had a bad tooth, and Benny Hinn filled his tooth. You know, I'm thinking, filled a tooth? You know, a guy comes up with a short leg, one leg short of another, and he heals that leg, legs longer, and I'm like, all right? And so, man, I'm telling you, it's very entertaining, and everybody's getting into it. And everybody's so, really getting into it, and all of a sudden, Hen, I mean, man, he turns around, and, and the choir, there's a big choir behind him, and he starts shaking his hand, and, and he, when he turns around, he looks at the choir, and he smiles, and the choir's getting all excited, and he says, choir, you'll know what's coming. 
choir. And so he winds up like he's going, you know, throw a strike and he goes, and he stops. And he says, oh, fooled you. Fooled you. You know what's coming though, choir. Choir. Oh, fooled you. And the choir's like, ah, ooh, ooh. And all of a sudden he goes, and the choir's like domino. I'm like, wow. Thank you, Life Point, that you got a brain and you use it. Okay? I mean, faith doesn't mean you check your brain at the door. Okay? Faith doesn't mean you check your brain at the door, folks. And listen, I, I, I told that story because I want you to understand why we receive power. Do I believe God heals? Absolutely. Do I believe the Holy Spirit? Absolutely I do. But never does it heal to line the pockets of a snake oil salesman. Okay? Never. Never does he heal to bring attention to someone. Never. I believe the Holy Spirit heals, and if you need healing, I believe you pray. But here's why he heals. He heals for his purpose and for his glory, never for the glory and purpose and, and, and benefit of someone else. Okay? And so if you need healing, pray for healing and trust God. But here's the deal. Why do you receive this power? Jesus said, well, you know, you receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, I wish that's what he said. I do, but he didn't. Why do we receive the power? He said, you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. Same thing Psalmist said. Be still and know that I'm God. Then I'll be exalted among the nations. Then I'll be exalted on earth. Acts 1.8, he said, you're going to receive power. I've redeemed you. You're going to receive power so that you can exalt me on the na- among the nations, exalt me on the earth. You are saved to share. You are redeemed to represent. It's all about you living as a missionary. It's about mission. And so that's why it is about being a missionary, right? And so uh, that's why God invaded our life. And so this is so hard to grasp because of our limited view of missionary. I grew up thinking about missionaries. Missionaries would come to my church. See, I grew up in church, and unlike many of you, I know many of you did not grow up in church. And so to be quite honest with you, you've got to leg up on some of the things that I had uh, uh, to detox from in, in some ways right? But uh, uh, in some ways not, right? I love my heritage. So I'm just saying, man, it doesn't matter. My point is it doesn't matter if you grew up in church or not. It's about what God wants to do in your life right now. But I grew up in church and these missionaries would come and they would always, at that point, they would always wear these shirts that had like four pockets on them and they'd do slideshows. And so I grew up thinking, okay, missionaries are people that, you know, I mean, man, they sell out. They move to a place where snails are a delicacy, not a nuisance, you know? They moved to a place where they play football, not football, you know. I, I mean, and so I, I, I grew up thinking that's the case. And, and you know what? Some do. I mean, some, some do. I mean, many are called to move all over the world. And we have people here that have quit their jobs. Uh, I mean, given up literally. We have some people that's given up six-figure incomes, uh, sold their home, nice home, sold their car, nice car moved away from the convenience and the, and the familiarity and comfortable uh, circle of family and friends to go to another culture to tell the story of Jesus to people who've never heard the gospel. We've got people that have done that, and I believe he's calling some of you to do that, and we're going to help process, because that's what God does, and we want to help you process that, okay? So, so God has called uh, many to do that, but he's not called all of us to do that. As a matter of fact, he doesn't call most of us to do that. Most of you he's called to go into the domain in which you live, into the music world. 
into your band, into your, into your teaching job, into your job as a police officer, into your job in the medical field, into your job as a salesman. He's called most of you to go into that domain and live as a missionary. Listen, missionaries are not people who cross the pond. Missionaries are people who've crossed the line of faith. If you are a believer, you are redeemed to represent, you are a missionary, okay? If you are a believer, you are a missionary. The word nations, let me, let me give you a little example here. The word nations. Now in Matthew 28, the commission Luke gives here, where Jesus said, "Go and, uh, or, or, uh, you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He names the world. And Matthew says, go and make disciples of all nations. It's the same, same, same commission, right? And the word nations doesn't mean po- political, geographical countries like America, Canada, Mexico, China, Rwanda. Those are political polygeo countries. That's not what the word nations means. So we got to disconnect from that word and then we got to we got to understand that that word nations means ethnos. It's a word to ethnos and it means people groups, cultures. People bound together by a specific culture, I mean by a specific language and norms. That that's what it means by people groups. Okay? So when Jesus said go make disciples of all nations, He's talking about people groups, not political geographic nations. For instance, in our world today, there are 7.2-ish billion people alive today. About 7.2 billion people, okay? Now, uh, those 7.2 billion people are divided into somewhere between 11,000 and 16,000 different specific people groups, different cultures, People bound together by specific language and norms, okay, that are connected in people groups. Now, out of those people groups, 7,000 people groups that represent about 4.1 billion people are what we call unreached in the missiological world. They're called unreached people groups. Unreached people groups are are, are cultures that have no indigenous community of Christians to to share the gospel or plant churches. It's less defined as less than 2%. So there's about one Christian at most for every 100 people in in an unreached people group. So there's no indigenous viability of of planting churches and sharing the gospel. It's called an unreached people group. This would be like the Yadav people of, of India. Like the Berbers and, and the Nubians of, of, of Egypt and, uh, and the Sunnis and the Kurds of Syria. The Han Chinese are, are like the Isan people of Thailand. These are all people groups bound together by a specific language, specific norms. They have the culture and they're bound together and they have no indigenous way of planting churches, sharing the gospel. That's why we must go to them. They're unreached peoples, right? But now... Some of you will go, but now, not most of us because there, there are another, other people groups in those called unengaged people groups. Unengaged people groups. There's about, uh, uh, oh, 3,000 unengaged people groups. What this means is there are some Christians in those people groups, but there's, there's no strategy for sharing the gospel or planning churches. This would be like, for instance, the Tosk Albanians in Brussels. We have a, a, a team in Brussels. There's a, a group there of Albanians that they're just unengaged. There, there's no church planning going on, no gospel sharing. There's a few Christians, but nothing going on. And so that's an unengaged. But now let me bring it closer to home. This would be the skateboarders right here in Middle Tennessee. The musicians 
right here in Middle Tennessee. The policemen right here in Middle Tennessee. The medical professionals. Those are all people that are bound together by specific language. Musicians have a specific language. Skateboarders have a specific language. Uh, right? I mean, uh, police have a, a specific language and norms that create this culture. It's a people group. And when you go into that people group, you're going in if you're redeemed as a missionary. Right? And so, so as, as, as to make his name famous. And so if you're a Christ follower, if you've crossed the line of faith, let me tell you what the question is not. You can stop asking, am I called to be a missionary? Because the answer is yes. If you're a Christ follower, the answer is yes. Are you called to be a missionary? Yes. I'm a missionary. The question is the application. The application. That's the only question. In other words, where am I going to use my skills, my talents, my passions, and everything God has given me to make him famous? Because you are called to make him famous if you're redeemed. And so the only question is not if you are a missionary. The question is the application. Where are you going to do that? Now, some people will apply it by going to a different continent, a different culture, a, a different country. Most of you will apply it by going right here into the circles that God has given you. There are countries all over the world, by the way, that, that don't want missionaries. They don't want God. They have their own gods. So they really don't want missionaries there. And they don't want, they, they don't want God. But let me tell you what they do need, what they do want. They want teachers, big time, because there's lack of education. They need medical professionals, big time. They need engineers. They need, uh, uh, you know, uh, all kind builders. They need all kinds of different specific skill sets that you have. And we want to send some of you into these countries to be medical professionals and to be teachers. But your job won't be to be medical professionals and to be teachers. That'll be your platform. Your job will be sharing the gospel and planting churches. That's exactly what, what we're doing today. We've got the laws. Rob and Cynthia Law are, are part of our Brussels team. They live in Brussels. He teaches English to businessmen as a job. That's how he makes his income. But it's simply a platform. He's not in Brussels to teach English to business. He could make a lot more money right here in America... He could do uh, his job. He was in the banking business. He could do his job making a lot more money. He could be much more comfortable, be around a lot of, of fr friends. His platform is teaching English to, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, to businessmen, but he's there to, to, to share the gospel and plant churches. We have Kathy Schinkel in, in Bangkok. Kathy works in a hospital, healthcare. That's her platform. We have uh, 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 Plunkets who are there who literally teach in a school. She teaches in school. That's their platform. They could do all those things right here, but they're there for one purpose and one purpose only because God has called them to go into those contexts. God has called them to go into those contexts to make him famous. You are no different. God's calling most of you. He will call some of you to do what they've done, but he's called most of you just to go to your school and tell your classmates to go to, your, to go to your school as a teacher, but you're not there to teach just to teach English. You're there to teach the gospel. To go into Nissan, but you're not there to build cars, you're there to build God's kingdom. To go into your law practice, or, and to go into your uh, police, uh, the police world, to go into your, uh, to the music world, the accounting world, you have no different calling than they have. The application is only different where it, where it happens, right? It's no different for you. Nissan doesn't know it, but they're paying some of your salaries to go in and be a missionary. That's cool and awesome. Right? And so uh, today you have Josh and Brittany Dyer. 
campus pastor in, in uh, Bangkok. Lynn and Amber Fegley, campus pastor in Brussels. You have Witt and Brittany Common, who, who, who all these are vocational missionaries. This is what we call vocation. They raise their support. They're there on the field, and they're vocational. That's what they do all day is, is they go out, and, 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 and they're, they're sharing the gospel in, in, in different domains and different worlds. That's what they do. You're no different. You go into your job. You go into to, 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 to whatever domain God has created you to go into. Now, here's what I want you to understand. God is not in heaven right now looking down at life point going, wow, the Dyers, look at the Dyers life point. They're in Bangkok. Look, look at the commons. Look at, look at uh, you know, the laws. Look at, uh, look at the Fegleys. They're in Brussels. Look at those guys. They're the standard I want from you. They're balling. They're doing it right. What's wrong with the rest of you? That's not what God's doing. God's not doing that at all. When you get to heaven, if you go to heaven, if you're redeemed, when you get there, here's what you need to understand. God is not going to celebrate the missionary more than he's going to celebrate the mechanic. That's not going to happen. Here's who God's going to celebrate. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's those who live on mission in whatever domain he has called you to go into. If you're a musician and you're a part of a band, if you're a cop, if you're a banker, if you're uh, uh, in a medical profession and you go into that domain and, man, you live as a mission, God is well done, good. There's no different than packing up and moving out. It's living for the glory of God in the domain that he has given you. So that, that, this is why we challenge you to go. This is why we challenge you to go. Not just over there, but right here. And, and listen, it's not about, it's not over there versus here. I say that because I, I hear that so much because, you know, we're very missional. And that's what we're known for. And people say, well, why are you going to go over there when there's so many lost people right here? I hear that all the time. And I say that, you know, with a facetious voice because it's whiny when people say that generally. Right? I mean, why are we going to go over there when there's so many lost right here? And, 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 and I understand that. I, I, I do. I understand the question. But let me help you to understand why we go over there. First and foremost, because God said so, and we're going to do what God said. Okay? He said to go, and so I... I Call me crazy, but I'm going to do what God said, all right? So he said go. When he said in, in, in Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He, there's a progression. Many people can look at that and say, okay, let's win Jerusalem first. This, let's, win, let's win Middle Tennessee first. Then let's branch out to Tennessee. Then let's branch out to America. Then let's go. No, that, that, Jesus is talking about simultaneity. He's not talking about one and then another. All at once. That's, what, that's the wording here. If you go to Jerusalem, you go to Samaria, Judea, all over the world at once, continuously, simultaneously. Make disciples of all nations. And so we've got to go because he told us to. But let me help you to understand on a practical level. We live in the United States of America, awesome country. There are hundreds of thousands of churches in the United States of America. Hundreds of thousands of churches. You know what? There are hundreds of thousands of people who work in those churches. I'm one of them, right? But when you've got hundreds of thousands of churches in America, and you've got hundreds of thousands of people that work in those churches, and then you add the Christians in America, here's what we know. There's about, in America, there's, there's about one Christian for every seven people. One Christian for every seven people in America-ish. All right? So when you hear that, and I'm going to tell you that America is less than 15% true believers. When you hear that, it's like, oh, wow, man, we are way the minority, and it's like sad and all that. But to be honest, when I say there's one for every seven, I get a little bit excited because I'm thinking one for seven. If every Christian then would win one person to Christ in the next five years, everybody would be Christians. Isn't that cool? 
So it's all in how you look at it, isn't it? So in America, there's one per seven, one Christian per seven people based on less than 15%. I think if, if, my, if, if any of the math I'm telling you is wrong today, blame it on Nathaniel because I, I, I went over the math with him. He's our administrator, our finance guy. So I hope it's right because if that's wrong, dude, I'm starting to worry about our finances then. Um, but uh, uh, so uh, there's about one per seven here in America. Now, let me help you to understand in the unreached people groups of the world, Han Chinese, Yadav in India, Isan in Thailand, the Berbers, the Nubians of Egypt. Unreached people groups all over the world, there's one Christian for several hundred thousand people. One Christian for several hundred thousand. In America, one per seven. Around the world, one per several hundred thousand. So you tell me why we should go. You tell me. I mean, did you realize that 85% of all Bibles are printed in English? Only 9% of the people in the world speak English. This is a huge, crazy imbalance. We need to change that. We need to see to it that that changes. And one church can't totally turn the tide, but I'll promise you this. One church doing its part can ignite a revolution and can ignite a movement that literally can change can change the world, folks. That's why we don't want more missionary members. We want more missionaries. We don't need, I should say, more members. We need more missionaries. Because one church, we can't turn the tide. That's huge. But listen, we can start a movement. There's a hundred, I got on, uh, did some research this week. hundred million people in America claim to be evangelical Christian. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest. You know what I like about that? I thought it was a lot more. And you're thinking, hold on a minute. Why would you like about that? Because l- let's be real. I mean, people claim to be Christian, right, that went to Mamaw's church five years ago. I'm Christian. So that's only, that's less than 30% of the people because there's about three, 330 million, 350 million people in America Right, I think, ish. It's always ish because it changes, right? So 330, 350 million. So if 100 million of them claim to be evangelical Christian, now I'm going to be very generous. And I'm just going to tell you today that at most there's 50 million. Okay? At most there's 50 million. Because still half of those, at at, at most, half of those, I mean at, at least... Half of those hundred million are, are people who went to grandma's church for, for Easter or, you know, mamma was a Christian, mama's a Christian, and, you know, your mom and them are Christians, and that's a southern thing. And so we're all Christians and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so, so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be very generous and say there's 50 million Christians in America, okay? Now, which represents less than 15% of the population, okay? So, so if 50 million Christians in America... If out of those 50 million, 100,000 said, I'm out of here. I'm packing up, selling out, moving over. I'm going to a different culture. I'm going to live in a different culture. I'm going to, I'm going to go and I'm going to learn a different language. And I'm going to share Jesus with an unreached people group. If 100,000 of the 50 million, which represents, listen, one-fifth of 1%, that's only one-fifth of 1% of people who are Christians in America would go, let me tell you what that would do. That would double, more than double, the number of cross-cultural missionaries in our world. That would more than double. Now, can you imagine if all of a sudden 
the mission force that was on the field more than double. Can you imagine the possibilities? Can you imagine what could happen? If one-fifth of one percent, now, if it's one-fifth of one percent, what does that leave? 99.8% of all other Christians. 99.8. That means 99.8% of all of us. We, we didn't sell out, pack up, quit our jobs and move. We simply said, hey, I'm going to go into the school tomorrow. I'm going to go into my job in the police uh, force. I'm going to go into my job in the band. I'm going to go into my job as a, an accountant. I'm going to go into the medical profession. I'm going to live in my domain. I'm going to be a college student. And my objective there is to live sent. My objective is there is to make God's name famous, to make sure that he, I'm redeemed, I know him, to make him known, to make sure that he is exalted among the nations, he is exalted on the earth. If 99.8 did that, folks, let me tell you something. There would be a movement like you've never seen before for the kingdom of God. That's what we're calling you to do. That's why we must be ascending church. That's why you've got to live sent if you're a believer. That's why we need more missionaries, not more members, not just more members. Listen, in 1886, let me give you an example of how this can happen. In 1886, an old preacher named D.L. Moody, he held a month-long Bible camp in Mount Hermon, Massachusetts. 251 college students went in 1886 to this month-long Bible camp. And uh, during that camp, on day 10, he preached a message that says all should go to all. Now, that didn't peg anybody going specifically, all you need to go to Africa, all of you need to go to Asia. Uh, it's all should go to all. Some of you need to go to Africa and Asia, but all should go to all. That means all should go to all. You go to your domain. That was day 10. Day 20, he brought up 10 different guys from 10 different countries to talk about what God was doing in their country. That ignited a movement. And by the end of that month, 100 of the 251 college students that came signed a commitment card and said, I will go to the nations. I'm going to pack up, I'm going to sell, I'm going to move out, and I'm going to go to the nations. That was that, that 100 of the 251 within one month. Then two guys from Princeton had the audacity to, to quit school and start traveling around the United States visiting college campuses. They visited 167 campuses in one year, and by the time they were through in that one year, that number had went from 100 to 2,000 college students said, we're out of here. I, I, we're going to the ends of the earth to make God famous in the ends of the earth. Now, by five years, 6,100 college students and seminary students had said, we're gone. In less than 60 years, by 1945, 20,500 men and women quit their jobs, finished school, and made it successfully to the mission field because of what started in 1886 because 100 college students said, dude, we're, we're serious about this. 20,000 in less than 60 years. Now, folks, listen, that's in 1886. They didn't have the Internet and cell phones, jet planes. They didn't have all the stuff. Now, imagine today, imagine today how many people are in the kingdom because of what happened in 1886, because of a vision and a movement. Imagine how many people, and imagine how that family tree just keeps growing. You might even be a part of that family tree somehow. 
as it just kept branching and growing. Imagine what can happen if one-fifth of one percent of all Christians say, man, I'm out of here. I'm going, I'm going to live in Thailand. I'm going to live in Brussels. I'm going to live in India. I'm going to live in Rwanda. I'm going to live, I'm, I'm out of here. But 99.8 of you just said, dude, I'm going, I'm going into my workplace tomorrow. I'm going into my school tomorrow. I'm going into my neighborhood. I'm going to live sent. I'm going to make God's name famous. I, I'm going to make sure he's exalted among the nations and he is exalted in the earth. Imagine what could happen. That's why we're ascending church. That's why you need to live sent. That's why we need more missionaries, not just members. That's what we're calling you to do. Maybe you're here today and you, you don't know Christ. You, you, you've never surrendered your life. We'd love to talk to you about that. Come back and talk to us. Maybe you're here and you do and you say, man, it's time for me to get busy. It's time for me to join to because membership is very important. I, you heard me say that. But I want to be a part of an organization that's about changing the world, not playing church. I don't care about playing church. But maybe you say, I, I want to be a part of that. Come back and talk to us. We are excited about what God is doing. And we're excited about what God is going to do through those who are obedient and through those who truly understand why you were created and why you were recreated and why God saved you to literally make him known. We're excited about that. And we're going to challenge you and we're going to help you and we're going to serve you and you're going to serve us and we're going to mess up and we're going to let each other down. And that's a messy part of being family. But we've got a mission. And today we wanted to remind you who we are, what we're about, and what we expect of all people who call this place home. If you want to be a part of that, come and let us know. I'm going to pray. Travis and the band are going to come and lead us. And you, you're going to respond by giving your tithes and offerings. And some of you by coming and seeing us. And, and, and some of you by just worship and asking God, God, help me to live sin. Remember these, uh, memorize these verses so that you can repeat them, so that you can remind yourself, live sin. I'm a missionary who needs to live sin. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your amazing grace. God, I, if any person that's in this room is redeemed, they're not redeemed because you thought they were all that. They're redeemed to represent. And God, help us to get that and live it. God, help us, Lord, not, not be full of just a bunch of, of American uh, mindsetted church members, but a, full of a bunch of missionaries mobilized and sent God, so that you will be made famous, so that you will be renowned. God, they're all kind of little G-gods getting worshipped today that only you deserve. And I pray that we would change that. Help us to be passionate about it. Not just for the soul of the one we share with, but for the glory of the one who saves. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.